You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show. And I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Special welcome if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps check out some past episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys all rock. You're amazing, and I always appreciate the support so much. A big shout out to my amazing sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering world-class online neurolinguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to Daily Recovery Support, interactive daily group calls and a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. That would be awesome. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by special guest Jody Betty. Jody is a writer and advocate for mental health awareness, suicide prevention, and trauma recovery. She lives with a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder and major depression and deals with ongoing passive suicidal ideations as a result of being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, sexual assault as a teenager, and domestic violence. You might recognize Jody from the writing she does on her own blog and for Sick Not Weak, as well as The Mighty. Her vulnerability in sharing her story and ongoing struggles reaches tens of thousands of survivors on a regular basis to help inspire them to keep going, keep fighting, and to realize they are never alone. Trigger warning as Jody discusses some of her past abuse and ongoing struggles with passive suicidal ideations, as well as being a three-time survivor of attempting to take her own life. Join me during my chat with Jody as she shares openly about her struggles and triumphs, the importance of a support system both locally and online, the strategies she uses every single day to keep on fighting, and how writing has been such a vital part of her ongoing healing. All this and more during my chat with the incredible Jody Betty, right now. So hey, Jody, welcome to Beyond Your Past, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good well, Matt. How are you doing? I am doing very well. I am so excited to have you on the show. You and I have been uh, friends on Twitter for... A few years now, I believe at least, and so I'm excited to bring you, yeah, yeah, to bring you on the podcast here to talk some about your survivor story, your blog, but before we get into all of that, take a minute and share more about who you are and and, uh, tell everybody more about Jody Betty. Um, Okay, well, I'm Jody, and I live um, just outside of Toronto, Ontario. Um, I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Um, I am a survivor of, uh, rape and I am generally just a survivor. I've had three suicide attempts and I've survived all those. So, um, I have been diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder as well as, um, major depression, anxiety, 
and um, I have chronic suicidal ideations, which I deal with um, passively pretty much every day. Um, and I'm forever 40. That's um, a good introduction to who I am. It absolutely is. And you write um, about your story often online, which we'll get to your blog here um, and stuff as we go through the show. But I'm glad you're here because, um, you know, your message is huge. It's needed now more than ever. You write with just a very personal and and vulnerable uh, way and you relate to so many people and you've got so much support online. I mean, and anybody who follows you on, on Twitter, especially, um, you know, just knows how amazing your work is and, and how much you've helped a lot of people. And so I always enjoy whenever you, you, uh, send out a new blog post, I get an email about it and I help to really spread the word. Cause I, I believe definitely in what you're trying to, to, to share with everybody. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm so stoked to be here. So this is my first actual real podcast, so I'm quite excited. Well, I am excited to have you. That's super cool, and I'm glad that you're here. So why don't we share a little bit more? And so you, uh, you mentioned about being um, a survivor of uh, multiple types of trauma and, of course, doing your writing. So maybe we can start out a little bit and share with us um, as much of your survivor story as you're comfortable with, and then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Um, I was um, born to a drug addict alcoholic mother um so I was in the hospital for probably the first month because I came out I was um pretty much hammered I went through detox um and then I was placed into crown wardship which uh pretty much meant that my mom had time to clean up herself and come back and start a uh, life with me however she could not get clean so at six months I was put into the foster care system and uh, that before I was adopted at 18 months. And between those two periods of time, I was in five foster homes and four of them I was pulled out of for abuse, um, one for drowning and one for physical abuse and two for sexual abuse. Um, so that was before I was 18 months. Uh, I got to my family then. I was obviously quite traumatized by that age. Um, so I came to my new home. I, um, adoption was very different back then. Literally, I was dropped off the house for um, three hours with a worker, uh, three hours by myself, and then I had to go move in. Um, so my mom said, like, I was completely apprehensive everybody for the first, you know, six months that I was there. I wouldn't have a bath. Uh, she had to sponge bath me because I guess they didn't know that I had almost drowned. Um so, uh, my house situation at home became, um, uh, violent, turned into domestic violence with my, and my mom, um, started when I was about five. And because of that, I, I spent a lot of time, um, this was in the seventies. So you could go away. There wasn't, you know, like you didn't have to be locked in your backyard, having a parent watch you all the time. Um, so I went to the park, I would get up in the morning, I would go play with my friends and I would stay out till dinner time and then have dinner and go back out. Um, unfortunately, because my mom was depressed in dealing with, um, the abuse, she really pay as much attention as she probably should have. And that's where my abuse outside the home started. So, um, Unlike many people who are abused by like a family member or a relative or 
um, a close friend. Uh, I was abused by multiple people at, um, at different ages too, like uh, as young as uh, 16 and as old as uh, 47. Yeah, so that abuse uh, continued until I was 14. Um, and at that point in time, I think I was also... Uh, abuse victims, uh, females especially, tend to go through a stage of promiscuity. Um, so at that point, I was having difficulty differentiating what was abuse and what wasn't. Um, and then when I was gang raped at a party when I was 16, um, I just closed everything off. I didn't deal with anything. I didn't, I didn't mention it. I didn't talk about it. I just put it in the back of my mind with the rest of the sexual abuse and, and went on. My mom was dying of cancer at this point in time as well. Um, she was diagnosed when I was 13 and she died when I was 19. So, um, and that's my adoptive mom. So I, I call her my mom. My birth mother is also deceased. She died, um, after seven suicide attempts, um, in 94, I believe, um, at the age of 40. And my, um, my birth mother did not ever attempt to get, um, in touch with me or try and find me or anything. Um, and then after my um, adoptive mom, so my real mom passed away, I went uh, to Children's Aid to start doing So because she was already passed, there was no um, red tape to go through to get her personal information. So I got that and I did some research and, and that's how I found out a little bit about my, my, my past and my background, um, especially the things like the, the drowning and stuff. I couldn't correlate why I, I never wanted to have a bath, but um, I didn't know why, obviously. So it was nice to be able to find out a few things to, you know, put a couple of answers um, to questions that I didn't think would ever have an answer. Everything you're sharing, Jody, is just incredible. And I'm just, I'm so glad that you're able to to talk about this because you being a survivor, I'm also a survivor. Many people who listen to this podcast are survivors of trauma or perhaps have somebody in their life excuse me, who was a survivor. And so to be able to share your story and kind of, you know, give them some insight in, into what you went through and the fact that you're still here today fighting every single day is just encouraging. It's amazing. And and I'm honored to know you and to call you a friend. And, and, and by the way, again, just thank you so much for coming on the show because I definitely appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much for having me. I totally appreciate it. So something that, that you mentioned there towards the end and is something that I always find interesting uh, because I had my own struggles with it was once you, you know, in, in your case, you know, uh, once you found out some information about your mother and some of the things you went through when you were, you know, six months and 18 months and, and some of the things that of course you couldn't remember, take us through some of the emotions or thoughts of what it was like to get all of this background info about your mom and then kind of, kind of put two and two together about the struggles in your life. It was pretty interesting, actually. Um, I ended up finding I have two half-sisters. My birth grandmother, um, through the situation, um, I'm not close to either of my sisters um, just because I, I don't know them. Like, you can't just hand somebody family and say, okay, here you go, and expect to have, like, a connection after, you know, 30, 40 years of not even knowing what another exists. Um, 
I think I, I kind of feel like my life is like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle with, you know, 400 pieces missing. Um, so it'll never be a clear picture, but I just keep trying to add pieces to the puzzle to see if I can get um, an overall idea of what it may be. Um, maybe giving me some reasons as to why I have behaviors in a certain way um, or why I have reactions in a certain way. Um, again, because I'm adopted, you don't ha have a, a sense of really what a blood bond means. Um, I wouldn't say with all adopted people. I think the younger you're adopted, the easier it is. The older you're adopted, the more of a challenge it is. Um, and you almost feel like, not that you don't belong there, but there's a sense of you that knows that you're just, like you're part of a family, but you're still not part of it. You don't have that blood connection that everyone, you know, rants and raves about. It don't, it doesn't make sense to me. So when someone handed me sisters, I couldn't automatically feel like, oh my gosh, I have a sister all of a sudden and feel like all close and, and emotional towards her because it's a stranger to me and I'm very guarded around strangers, regardless of whether you all of a sudden call them my family or otherwise. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's just like, okay, you know, saying, okay, I have a sister or brother now, but I'm like, you're right. It is, it is, it's a stranger. Like you don't know them from Adam. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know, while there might be some, you know, a curiosity or maybe a desire to try and reach out, as you mentioned, being a survivor means that you're automatically guarded towards strangers, towards, you know, situations that don't really feel right, or you're unsure. And so is, is it something to where, you know, you mentioned that, that you're not close to them, obviously, because you never met them or anything. But is that something that you've wanted to explore? Well, I met them once. Okay, my third, uh, my youngest sibling, she has um, oblown fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, so she has some facial deformities and some problems with her. And she's um, mentally about 19. Her writing um, is about that of a 12-year-old. So I, I try to keep in contact with her, but she's not always the easiest to. And the other sister is, not to sound rude, but it's not a person I would choose to hang out with. After I've learned about her, she's just not my type of person. She doesn't listen, she doesn't understand, and she's all I, 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 where I am exactly the opposite. I, I'm quite a giving person, and I try to be compassionate and understanding with everybody and, and not make things into a competition. So um, in terms of her, it's just the fact that she's just there, but we have literally no connection. I'll send her like a, an email for her birthday and at Christmas, but I, I don't get a response. So I just kind of, you know, I don't push for anything. Well, and you bring up a good point, Jody, and that's that having a healthy boundary with someone for any reason, you know, whether they are, you know, definitely uh, considered toxic to you or maybe just because there's no connection or, you, you know, there's, there's a myriad of reasons why we can put up boundaries with people. And, and regardless of whether it's family or not, being able to recognize that having a boundary is healthy and not pursuing something that you don't feel is going to benefit you and help you is huge awareness. And it's always something that we always want to try and do for ourselves um, is, is to have up those boundaries to help keep ourselves safe. And if you don't, and you know, it's, it's always that kind of, uh, trust your gut thing where if it doesn't feel right, they don't, you know, feel like somebody, they are someone who would, who, who would be benefit, who would be a benefit to you and an encouragement to you and a helper and somebody that you can connect with and feel safe with, then definitely don't, you know, don't, don't go down that road. Right. 
So yes, absolutely important to set boundaries and very difficult to do. So let's kind of transition a little bit here into, into your writing. And I mean, you are an avid blogger and your work as, as we mentioned is just incredible and so vulnerable and it's helping tons of people uh, through all, all social media and everybody who's on your, your uh, blog subscription. So how, and when did you really decide that writing was a way that you, you know, would be a way f- to help you express yourself and your healing? And was it something, does, does it come very natural? Is it something that's very difficult? Maybe take us down that road because uh, there are a lot of us who are writers. And, you know, I always find it interesting too, is that writing itself, people can sometimes describe as cathartic. And I'm like, it, I'm like, it's not cathartic when you're writing. You know, it may be cathartic when you're done, but right in the middle yes. of writing this stuff can be incredibly difficult. I always have written. I used to keep a journal when I was a kid. When I got really sick, which was about three years ago, I'll say when I had like my breakdown, so to speak, um, a friend of mine who had my writing suggested I started a blog. And I thought that was a ridiculous idea because it was like, who wants to read about my life and like, what difference is it going to make if I tell my horrors kind of thing? So... I, I threw a blog up there just to see how it went and it went okay. So I just, I, I kind of started trying to get one out every couple of weeks. And I just, um, I think I write in a manner where I can reach different groups and age ranges of people because it's honest. And I may see, say the things that people want to say, um, but they may not have the balls yet to do so. So my writing has been like a great help. It's been a great therapy um, in terms of like uh, flashbacks and memories, getting some of them out. Um, You know, some of them you only get a partial flashback or a partial memory. So you have to fix yourself. Oh, absolutely. You're right. And you and I are so similar in that when I first started writing, um, I, I had been journaling for quite a while and I was journaling on my own while working with a therapist. And so I realized that, ah, maybe, you know, one day I should go and, and maybe write something online. But then I'm thinking, ah, who, who, who wants to hear this? Who wants yeah. to read about this? Why does somebody want to read about somebody who's been through hell and back and all these yeah. struggles and, you know, hates life right now because it's so difficult and all this stuff. And, uh, and I did it out of the, uh, encouragement and nudging of, of the therapist at the time. But, you know, just like you mentioned, when you write about this kind of stuff, and believe me, I had no idea anybody was ever going to read this shit either. Like, I'm like, this is going to be just me rambling. Maybe I'll yeah. help somebody someday. It'll be great. That'll be fine with me. But I, I had no idea that there was a survivor community until I started writing. And then I was doing some searching on Twitter and, you know, reaching out to different various chats and whatnot. And of course, that's how you and I met. But Maybe maybe talk a little bit about what that feeling is like and and how your your, your blog posts are received and and the connections and support that not only they give you but that you give them. I think I write for sickdotweek um, dot com every two weeks now, um, and I also post on my own blog. I think blogging is a very vulnerable thing to do you're putting yourself out there for the world to see but the good thing is is you can't see the response so there's no um instant reaction of of seeing someone's face or seeing a facial expression or whatever the case may be so you put yourself out there with almost a sense of safety because you can do it under an entirely different name if you want you don't even have to assume your own identity to tell your story but I think that 
the more people that can read horrors pretty much and realize that people have survived them, the more hope it gives them if they're going through to think that, okay, well, if he or she survived that, then perhaps I can as well. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, one of the biggest things about being a survivor is, of course, um, you know, realizing that you're not alone. And that's that, that's something that I found as well, something that I really connected with once I started to share my story and realizing that there are people who were saying, oh, my God, I feel the same way you do. I can't believe somebody else went through this. I can't believe you're saying these things that I've been thinking forever. And that's the kind of stuff where and you know again like we're we're not writing to get some kind of gratification here as you mentioned from somebody else we we are writing because we want to get our story out we want to help others and we want to you know obviously continue our own healing journey but when you do get somebody who who responds back through an email or a comment or you know a dm on twitter or whatever and they really validate what you're saying it's an incredibly empowering type of thing because it kind of gives you that little nudge to keep going during those tough days when you're like, I know I really want to write about this, but I'm not sure how to say it. How's it going to be received? And so I, those kinds of moments, you know, regardless of how often they come are, can be really helpful and kind of, driving you forward and writing for sick, not weak, which is huge. And, and, and just an amazing organization based out of Canada up there. Right. I believe. Correct. Yeah. It's based out of Toronto. Yeah. 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 And and so, I mean, I've submitted my story to them. They were one of the first ones that I submitted my story to along with uh, stigma fighters. And the first time I, I remember writing my story, I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm putting myself out there for these people to hear about being yeah. a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and bullying. And it was, it was difficult, but afterwards, you know, that's really kind of something that really helped. It's gratifying to um, be able to help especially when you know that it's horror that you're being able to help from. I wrote an article, it's pinned on my Twitter page. Uh, it is pretty much a, a letter to people telling them, you know, um, why not to kill yourself. Um, and it went not really viral, but it's got a half a million views on Google. Um, That's pretty viral to me. <laughs> <laughs> it took a long time to get that big, but uh, it's posted on the Mighty as well. And um, I have probably, no joke, 800 messages in my inbox um, from just random people. Anyone, some people are just saying thank you. Some people are asking for people just want someone to, to listen to them. So I just tell them, you know, here's a, sp a safe space. You can vent to me anytime and I'll get back to you when I can. Um but it's, you know, you can wake up and you're feeling so shitty about yourself. And then you have a message from someone saying, you know, like, literally, your article saved my life last night. And it just kind of like turns, puts a spin on, think about yourself. Absolutely. And and being a safe place for people to write to, and because you're so vulnerable and so open and they can relate to you, it just, more people like you are, are needed so much. And the work you're doing, it's just incredible. And I know that you, um, you know, are continuing your own healing. Uh, something else I want to cover yet and, and talk a little bit more is your advocacy for those who, who struggle with suicide. And just, you mentioned that it's something you deal with passively every single day. So maybe share a little bit more about that as to what exactly you mean, because I, I have a feeling based on my audience that there's a lot of people who struggle with this, who maybe, you know, are, are, are feeling kind of alone or are wondering if, if other people really deal with this on a daily basis, rather than just like uh, something that they tried once or twice and now they don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, more people that I can possibly fathom 
have suicidal ideations. Like it, 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 it baffles me the number of people um, that deal with it on a daily basis, um, myself included. My first attempt, I was eight. And um, passively means that in the back of your mind, suicide almost becomes like a safety net. If worse comes to worse, I can always, you know, like it, it almost sometimes can keep you alive by having that safety net because you know that if worse comes to worse and you can't take it anymore, then you can have the control and take your life because it is entirely in your own control, no matter how much, um, you know, someone helps or reaches out. As I found, I just lost someone recently and there's nothing you can do. If someone's made up their mind to that point, um, then they generally won't even reach out at all. If you're reaching out, that means you're not at that point. So you still have, uh, you know, like a really good chance to be heard and be listened to. And I think with suicide, people are so afraid of the word. Like, um, to me, it needs to be talked about as much as you would talk about, I don't know, sex with your kids. It needs to be brought up as a, a conversation at the dinner table um, because it's going to affect everybody sooner or later. The rates are just insane and they're rising. Uh, there's no, there's nothing showing that they're slowing down. So I think that the more people know that they're not alone, um, that there are, are hundreds and thousands of people that are suffering every day with the same thought. And, and if you can just hold on to that little bit of hope or, or even take the day. Sometimes I have to break the day down like minute by minute just to get through an hour. And then once that hour's passed, the next hour will go. And if you keep doing that, then, you know, you made it through a day. So then you can pat yourself on the back because you you have achieved something that you, you need to learn to hold on to. Um, and again, don't be afraid to reach out, especially on social media, because there is so much support. There really is more support than you could possibly imagine until you extend your hand. And so many people reach out to take it. What you're saying is just so important. And so um, if you're comfortable with how, what types of strategies, what types of things do you do to help get you through those tough days when, you know, you're really considering it? It's really, as you said, kind of in your back of your mind, it's something that you can control and you have to literally get through an hour or a minute or, you know, just part of the day and try and get through the next one. What are some things that you've learned that really help you to get through that hour just, just to the next hour? I try and keep myself away from anything that I think could be dangerous. So like if I'm absolutely like, let's say actively suicidal in, in thinking, I will stay inside my house for the day and out of the kitchen. There's no knives in my living room. There's no knives in my bedroom. There's no tricks to be hit by in my house. So if you remove yourself from as many of the physical dangers around you, that in itself will create a little bit for yourself, a little bit of a safe environment. Um, I find online reaching out, just just being able to tell us that you're feeling suicidal without fear of being judged or fear of someone saying, oh my God, I'm calling the police. Uh, the police are coming, you end up in lockup or something ridiculous. Like yeah. the stigma is so, it's so high around just one word you know um and it's a word that needs a conversation with everyone it should be put in school it should be put in the mental health care um it should be put in in, in phys ed or whatever they have now 
it should just be a part of the conversation. And I don't think that I'm going to stop talking about it until it is a part of the conversation. Oh, and that you're right. That is so key. I mean, I think even in this day and age where there is a lot of awareness on, on, you know, social media, especially, and there's a lot more of awareness of it around schools, at least here in the U S now it's not nearly enough, but I think it's a start and having that conversation at the dinner table or, uh, you know, pulling your kids aside and saying, Hey, how are you doing? How are you really feeling? Is there anything I can help you with taking an active role in, in perhaps your children or your spouse or your friends or someone who you, you know, know is struggling and just being a friend to somebody, the kind of difference it can make, especially when as, you know, as survivors, we often do struggle in silence and it's not until we reach out for help to somebody online that maybe they don't realize we're struggling. And, um, it just, it's, it's such an important thing to really not be afraid to tell somebody, Hey, you know, I need some help today. And of course, you know, make sure it's somebody safe. So as you mentioned, they're not all of a sudden spinning out and causing you to be more traumatized, Yeah, but having that. So yeah, maybe talk a little bit too about the importance of, of the support people in your life, be it online or people locally that you can reach out to and be like, Hey, this is not a good day. I could use somebody to talk to for a few minutes. Um, I have like a, a pretty good following online, so I have quite a good, uh, support base online. Um, I have a, a smaller group of friends in person. Um, my roommate is, um, not one I would uh, talk to, but he keeps me safe just by being around, if that makes sense. Um, I have two best friends. One is Michael Landsberg, uh, another friend of mine. Um, her and I can talk about anything. So it's always, um, sometimes you need to hear a voice, not just words online. Uh, I think that helps sometimes to, you know, bring you back to the present moment. Um, so I will not hesitate to reach out to either of them and say, you know, like I'm really struggling and I need this from you or I need that from you and I think also another important thing is we have to stop with this I don't know who thought of it but the saying that you know if you talk about suicide with a suicidal person or with a non-suicidal person that you're going to put thoughts in their head or increase their thoughts it's like the absolute opposite of what's going to happen literally people just need to be heard and they need to be felt like they're understood and it, it is not, it doesn't take anyone. Anyone can do it. You just have to listen, but actually listen, not listen to speak, to return a conversation. Just shut up and listen, clear your mind and listen to what someone else is saying and tell them they need to feel like that. And this moment, it won't last forever. You may have multiple suicidal moments, but you won't be suicidal for hours and hours and hours and hours in a row. You'll get a break. It's just the way that there's lots of little things you can do for distractions, like stupid things I tell people, like try to do the alphabet backwards. Um, try counting, if you speak another language, try counting um, in French or try subtracting like from 97 by threes. It's something that, that takes both sides of your brain to work at the same time. And if you can do that, then you can't fully focus on your suicidal thoughts. So there's just little tricks I found that have worked for me that I've passed on to other people. I hope it works for them as well. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, those types of tricks work in many situations because of course the idea is to disengage the, the, the emotional mind and focus on something else so that, so that you're not going down that road. And again, whether it's something where you're contemplating suicide, whether it's uh, anxiety, whether it's worry, whatever it is doing something to, to distract 
after you acknowledge what you're distracting from is a hugely important uh, coping skill. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're sharing about this. And if there's one thing that you could leave with people as we start to wrap this up, and then of course, we'll get to where everybody can find you online. But if there's anything you'd like to leave with everybody in terms of just encouragement or the work that you're doing, I'm sure they would definitely appreciate it. I just want people to know as much as you're struggling with whatever it is you're struggling with, there's also someone else they're struggling with. Not exactly the same thing, but something similar. Um, and like that was, that's the reason for AA and NA is you get like-minded people together. And I think um, if I could, I would like to start like a mental health group where, you know, without the psychiatrist, you could just, you know, gather and, and, and do what they do at, at um, Alcoholics Anonymous kind of thing. Um, but, but free to re- to reach out. Um, there really is a lot of help online. Um, there's a lot of empathy and understanding online, and there's a little bit of guidance of of where you could um, look for help um, based on other people's experiences. You know, sometimes that's it's easier to hear things from other people than it is to um, try and figure everything out on your own, like finding a psychiatrist and, and, and going through that whole rigmarole. You're not alone. And if you reach out, I promise someone will take your hand. It's just reaching out. It's the hardest thing to do. Just take the first step. It's like climbing the stairs. You're never going to get to the top if you don't take that first step, right? That is exactly right. And I want to reiterate something you mentioned too about when, if you are somebody who is struggling or somebody who was struggling is reaching out to you, be that person that listens to listen, not to listen to speak. And it's, it's really so important to have that listening ear. And it's not always that we want somebody to give us an answer. In fact, we know that people don't have an answer for us. We just want them yeah. to listen to us, to hear us, to to acknowledge, to pay attention to what we're saying. And that in and of itself is tremendously healing. You know, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't need you to give me advice. You know, I know what I can do. I know what I exactly. shouldn't be doing. I just want you to hear me, right? Yeah, it, it, people need to be understood and validated, and I think uh, survivors especially have have lacked that their their entire lives, especially the validation. And I think it's very important for them to be able to feel validated about their feelings because they've usually been, you know, not allowed to express feelings for, you know, a great deal of their life. Could not agree more, Jody. This has been amazing. I'm so glad that you came on the podcast today. Why don't we wrap this up? You can tell everybody where to find you online, the blog, everything was sick, not weak. And then, um, yeah, that would be great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. I had a great time talking to you. We'll have to do it again when it's not on podcast. We can just chit chat. Absolutely. Um, anytime. That sounds good. Um, you can find me. Uh, blog is jodyb26.wordpress.com. Uh, my Twitter is at one last kick 71 and my facebook is at, at jody b b e e and i think that's it i have a website also which is jodybetty.com um which is the beginning of uh hopefully a, a coaching business i'd like to get started eventually well absolutely yeah and then if i bring you back on the show again which i would love to if you're down for it we can sure, we can talk more about the coaching and the future um, work that you want to do. And also, too, as a awesome. reminder, you wrote a blog post for Surviving My Past about a year and a half ago, which I will link in here, which is an incredible post, which still gets a tremendous amount of views every single week. People are, you know, finding you through my website, and I'm happy to be able to support your work and and your message. So, Jody, this has been amazing. I'm so glad you came on the show, and I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Matt. Really 
you. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, INLPcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.